We'll hear argument now in number 94805, George W. Bush versus Al Vera, William Lawson versus Al Vera, and United States versus Al Vera. Uh, Mr. Aguilar. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, at issue in this direct appeal is the constitutionality of three congressional districts that the court below erroneously ruled were racially gerrymandered. These districts are localized in two metropolitan areas of the state of Texas, two counties, Harris County and Dallas County. The districts involved are Congressional Districts 18, which is a uh, uh, black opportunity district that was created originally in the 1970s in Harris County. Congressional District 29, which is a brand new congressional district, which is now a Hispanic opportunity district in Harris County. And Congressional District 30, which is a black opportunity district in Dallas County, a brand new opportunity, uh, black opportunity Mr. district. Mr. Aguilar, what is this opportunity district? I mean, this is new terminology. Well, it's a majority-minority district that was created under... Why don't we just voting. call them majority-minority districts? I mean, you're entitled to use whatever terminology. You can call them, you know, motherhood apple pie districts if you like, but, but, uh, but you, you will be insulting my intelligence every time you say it. Uh, can't we give it some, you know... Uh, unemotive uh, uh, terminology that we can use in the argument? Yes, Your Honor. I'll refer to them as majority-minority districts. Uh, the district court, we believe, legally erred in its finding below that the three districts were racially gerrymandered for two reasons. First, it held that race predominated in the drawn of the districts, but it did so because it refused to recognize the state's customary and traditional redistricting principle of incumbency protection as well as other principles that it utilized, including the equal population uh, rule that it always follows and it must follow. That's, a, that's pretty much a question of fact, isn't it, Mr. Aguilar, whether it was basically a desire to preserve incumbency or whether it was the desire to create majority-minority districts? Well, yes, sir, it is a question of fact, uh, Your, on uh, Your Honor, but uh, in this case, they decided this case before Miller v. Johnson, and I think the, their opinion is clear that they did not believe that incumbency protection should be considered a traditional districting uh, principle because it was not among those listed in the Shaw versus Reno case to begin with. It is our contention that the determination of what is a customary and traditional districting principle is something that is determined by the state and its practices, its historical practices. And there was no doubt that in this case there is plenty of evidence to show that Texas has followed the, the, uh, the uh, uh, traditional practice of incumbency protection to uh, uh, decide where it's going to draw its districts. And incumbency protection, as applied by the Texas legislature, certainly in 1990s, uh, really has four aspects, uh, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. First, it is not pairing incumbents. It will not vote for a plan that does not pair incumbents, simply because they want to preserve the state's congressional seniority. Second, it means that if you're going to have to redraw districts, which they had to because of the fact that the population had increased so greatly in Texas that we had been reapportioned three different districts, that you try to maintain the constituency of each of the Congress people. But, Mr. Agler, you made this argument, I take it, to the district court. And, uh, and it, you can see it's a question of fact as to what the motivation for drawing. And the district court rejected the, those findings. Are you contending here that they're, they're clearly erroneous? No, no, Your Honor. We're saying that, th that their decision is legally wrong because it did not properly apply the rule of Miller v. Johnson. Now, in fact, it, quite frankly, they didn't have it to apply because it wasn't decided until sometime after the opinion. What we're saying is they uh, recognize... Mr. Aguilar, the district court... Uh, did make findings that the districts were formed in utter disregard for traditional redistricting criteria and were unexplainable on other than racial grounds. 
Now, are those findings, uh, do you say either of those are clearly erroneous? Those findings are, are, are tainted, Your Honor, by the legal error in not recognizing that the state of Texas has a long tradition of protecting incumbents. Well, and that do, you, do you argue that protection of incumbents is a compelling state interest? No, Your Honor. We're saying that that is... We're just saying it's a traditional uh, state interest that is followed in Texas, it is in something, growing districts. That, that is correct, uh, Justice O'Connor. What we're saying is you, if you're going to try to determine whether there has been a racial motivation, you look at all the different objectives well, that the state utilized. All right, but you did present evidence to the district court of protection of incumbency. I mean, that evidence was apparently before the district court, and it nevertheless found that uh, that may well be so, but it was overshadowed here by the decision in drawing the district boundaries to uh, totally draw them uh, along racial lines. Yes, Your Honor, and if I may, it, it, they certainly considered that, and they even acknowledge in their opinion that incumbency protection was a major objective in the state, all over the state. And they didn't, right. they didn't particularly like it, and, and they, said, they said as much. Mm -hmm. But despite the fact that 24 out of the 30 districts, uh, Justice O'Connor, were challenged on these grounds, only these three districts were found uh, to be racially gerrymandered. And I'd like to uh, uh, point to the court, uh, refer to the court to uh, joint appendix at page 192. I'd like to use that as an example of trying to flesh out what I'm trying to say. Uh, I will, uh, before you do that, uh, remind me, I think you mentioned it just a moment ago. Didn't this court uh, not credit incumbency on the same line as the traditional factors that were mentioned in the Shaw opinion? As you pointed out, Miller had not yet been decided. And I, can you be precise about how this court treated incumbency? Did it consider it a traditional districting factor? Are you asking in the Shaw opinion, Your Honor? No, in this, in this opinion. Uh, I think it recognized that it was a motivation of the, of the uh, legislature all over the state. I think it certainly recognized and accepted that. I think that in the, uh, in the, in the process of accepting that... Did it, did it treat it as something that could dominate? My question is, did the court recognize that incumbency should be treated as a legitimate factor? No, Your Honor. They, they believe that incumbency protection was not something that this court referred to in the Shaw decision, and consequently, since it didn't fall within the, uh, the, those factors that this court uh, referenced in Shaw, therefore it wasn't something that they could pay attention to. Let me and I, I ask you to go one step further. I take it, of course, because they were deciding before Miller came down, I take it that what the, what the court was doing was saying that predominant racial motive uh, is an alternative to incumbency protection as a factor, whereas your argument is after, I think, after Miller, we judge what is a predominant racial motive by asking, among other things, whether it was done in disregard of traditional districting practices. And your final step is incumbency protection is one of the object of traditional districting practices. So that I think what I think what you're saying is the court made an either or choice when there wasn't an either or choice. The two alternatives that it was opposing to each other are not really opposing alternatives. It should have considered incumbency protection in deciding whether 
the motive was predominantly racial. Th that is, is that fair? That is exactly uh, correct, uh, Justice Souter. Counsel, I, I, I want you to get to, to section, to page 192, but let me ask you one, one question uh, before you do that. Uh, if incumbency protection is the, the motive, but the means used to affect it is a racial gerrymandering, is that constitutional? Or does that comply with Miller? Well, no, Your Honor. Uh, what we are saying that you can, the legislature can apply its traditional motivation of incumbency protection, and just because it's applying it in an area where there are blacks or Hispanics li living, that doesn't necessarily mean that the end result is a racial gerrymandering. Well, well suppose I say I, I want to protect incumbents, and incidentally, I, I take it this means any incumbent who is an office holder can uh, protect his or her interest by running for some other office. A state senator can be a, a congressman, and that, that's incumbency protection in Texas. Let, let, let's assume that that is the, is, is, the, is the goal. And we say, in order to do this, we are going to have racial gerrymanders. Does this, is this consistent with the court's holding in Miller? Well, if the predominant motivation is just collecting as many minorities that you can within one district, and you don't care whether it protects your incumbents, you don't care about... No, no, that's else. not my hypothetical. My then, hypothetical is we're, we want to have protect incumbents. And the way we're going to do this, the principal way, the principal mechanism we're going to use is a, a, assigning uh, voters to districts on account by race. Does that comport with the command of Miller? I think it would, Your Honor. You have to find out why race is considered. We're not saying that we cannot consider race. But in our case, Your Honor... Well, that, that's if, one of the things we're going to ask. Well, in our, for instance, if we had a case where there was no reason to create this district, in other words, there was very little reason to create a, a majority, uh, a minority district uh, under the Voting Rights Act, then I would say that we would be uh, running afoul of this court's ruling in Miller. But when you have a situation well, where... Well, Mr. Aguilar, was there evidence here that majority-minority districts could have been drawn in 1829 and 30 that would have been more compact and that would not have presented this racial gerrymander problem and nevertheless have satisfied uh, some of the incumbents? I mean, there were the, the, proposals I mean, made that's where they're not... Yes, that still would have provided majority-minority districts for... Yes. Uh, Blacks and Hispanics. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, but it wouldn't have been drawn, you know, house to house to pick up certain particular voters. Well, they weren't drawn house to house, Your Honor. But yes, there were. There was in the evidence. In fact, the state itself presented uh, alternative districts in these three areas that were geographically more compact. There, the plaintiffs presented alternative plans. Uh, their their uh, expert, Mr. Weber, Dr. Weber, uh, they had another plan, the Owens Paint plan. All of their plans that they presented were more geographically compact. Yeah, so this case their... doesn't present, does it, a situation where Texas had no means of assuring a racial composition and balance, uh, even if, if these peculiar districts are tossed out. Well, that's right. We could draw other alternative districts. There was no question about that. The reason Does that we go to narrow tailoring, do you suppose? No, Your Honor. No, uh, our position, I would have thought it might. Well, our position on narrow tailoring is that once, once there is a reason to draw the districts under the Voting Rights Act, 
then narrow tailoring means you just draw the district that's necessary to, that affords that group an opportunity to elect someone of their choosing. You mean the number but, of districts? The number of districts. That's correct, Your Honor. What would but, be an example of broad tailoring then, once you find that uh, the... Uh, you, you want to draw those kind of... Are there any kind, any kind of bond runs you can't have? Well, I think that... Uh, I guess the best example would be in the Miller case. Uh, the, the boundaries there were much... We're talking about a totally different district that spans some 200, 250 miles that link together different cities, uh, different disparate uh, uh, black populations that had very little in common with them, that where the district boundaries itself, the black population was located in the outer ridges of the, of, of the district. That's not what we have here. We believe narrow... So, you, so you, you, you do recognize that narrow tailing would outlaw some kinds of districts drawn after a decision to draw majority-minority, but you say this, this is narrowly tailored in your case. It's narrowed, narrowly tailored because we, first of all, realized that there was a sufficiently large minority uh, population in a geographically compact area, and there was racially vo polarized voting. Having made that determination, we then drew a district in that location. Now, uh, I agree uh, with the suggestion of Justice O'Connor that there were uh, different alternatives. We could have we drawn all kinds of different boundaries, but it was, you know, politics is a, is a contact sport, you do, and people don't want to... If, if, in fact, suppose for the sake of argument, it was accepted that under Miller you could use race as a basis for creating a Section 2 required district of the Voting Rights Act, a reasonably compact one. Suppose you also thought that insofar as a district departs from a compact shape, that's okay if the motive for the departure from the compact shape has nothing to do with race, such as protecting incumbents. If you thought both of those things, then would you have to remand this case in order to decide if the reason that these districts depart from the compact shape is incumbency protection? No, Your Honor. I think the evidence is sufficient here to be able to reverse, Your Honor, and, and render. I think that the error is one of law. I think that... But, Mr. Aguilar, in answer to Justice O'Connor, you said that they could have... Perhaps I misunderstood your answer, but I thought you said that they could have satisfied the minority-majority district composition with a more compact, um, that they could have satisfied both incumbency and race. Perhaps you didn't, you didn't complete your answer. I, I did not complete my answer. The, pro the reason why they didn't, they would not have, the legislature I'm talking about, would not have uh, uh, accepted the proposed plans that the plaintiffs proposed, and even the state plans, the, 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 uh, the, the districts that we drew for litigation purposes to, to show that we could, in fact, draw more geographically compact districts, was because they would pair incumbents. It's because we would lose some of our con congressmen in Congress. Mr. I, did not Mr. I, 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 let me understand what you're saying about, about the incumbency uh, justification. I, is it that if, if let's say, you, you have a, a black or Hispanic congressman, uh, uh, it, it is okay to use race as a criterion in drawing a district so long as its purpose is to protect the seat of that congressman. That is, I, I, you know, I, I draw a majority black district or a majority Hispanic district because the incumbent ha happens to be a black or a Hispanic. Is, is that, would that be, would that be constitutional? If, if, if the question ignores the requirements of the Voting Rights Act, I would say there'd be a problem if that's your only goal. But that's, 
That's I don't, not, I don't, I don't. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying, we have, the Texas legislature has the obligation to satisfy federal requirements, and the Voting Rights Act is a federal requirement. But in doing so, the state legislature ought to have, under our federalism, the right to to use the same districting objectives as it uses for but all the districts. You say that's a valid objective, even though race is the means of achieving that objective. Is that, is that your position? Well, or do you say that race was not used here? I, 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 race was used, it had to be, because our prime, uh, because one of our objectives was to create a majority-minority district so through the Voting Rights Act. But your, your, your answer to my question must be yes, then. If I have a black congressman, I can say, I want to protect that congressman's seat, and therefore, simply because I want to protect that congressman's seat, it is okay to draw a black district. Well, I didn't finish the four different aspects of incumbents. It's just not protecting the uh, incumbents, black incumbent seat but rather it's also protecting those around them, uh, the, co the congressmen around them. And well, in well let me ask you this. Suppose you have a district that's a majority white district, and the incumbent says, look, we have to redistrict, and don't put any blacks in my district. They won't vote for me, and I won't have it. You have to protect me. Now, is that okay? Well, can, not... can the legislature then say, fine, we're, we're concerned about you, Mr. Incumbent, and so... Uh, will exclude all blacks from your district. Is, is that constitutional? Well, no, Your Honor, not, at, not in the uh, hypothetical that you just posed to me, but that, that was not what we did here, Your Honor. What we did here was we made a determination well, have, that we... It may have been done in reverse. Well, in fact, many blacks that could have been in a more compact jurisdiction, a more compact district, in fact, didn't, didn't go into the majority-minority district. They remained in other districts, and in fact, they became uh, uh, impact districts, if you will. Ask you, is so this what you're saying in substance, that the incumbency protection had nothing to do with the number of majority-minority districts? It merely explains the shape of the districts, because after you decided the number, you had to satisfy the incumbents and draw all these squiggly lines. Uh, absolutely, Your Honor. In fact, and if I may, before my time expires, if, if you look at page 192, that's the map of the, of the Dallas area, District 6 and District 12 were not impacted by the drawing of District 30, and yet the, and yet the shape of both 6 and 12 look rather strange. Were they fact, challenged? Did uh, anybody file suit they were, to challenge they were, 6? They were challenged, Your Honor, but the court held there was no racial gerrymandering. These are predominantly and overwhelmingly white districts. The reason the districts look like this has nothing to do with race. It has to do with the fact that the legislature was trying to draw districts that those incumbents could be elected from, trying to not only keep as many of their constituents there, but also they're going to have to bring in constituents, bring in constituents that be supportive of that congressman. Thank you, Mr. Aguilar. Uh, Mr. Bender, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Even if strict scrutiny is applicable to the districts in this case, uh, the district court decision invalidating those districts was legally incorrect and it must be reversed. The district court held that although Texas might have a compelling interest in creating majority-minority or minority opportunity districts in Dallas and Houston, in order to protect the rights of minorities in those communities, who are the victims of polarized voting to protect their right to participate in the political process in a fair way. That even if Texas had those compelling interests, the districts that Texas actually created were not narrowly tailored. The court held that because it found that Texas could have created three districts that were more compact than the ones it actually created. And that in departing from compactness, 
uh, the court flunked the narrow tailoring test. Do you, do you agree with Mr. Aguilar that that is basically a confusion of categories, that narrow tailoring goes basically to number of districts, uh, and the niceness of the lines with which they are drawn is essentially the question or, or is essentially an issue that you look at when you're deciding whether, in fact, the, the motive was predominantly racial as distinct from uh, a, a motive consistent with, with customary districting practices? I think the niceness of the lines is relevant probably to both aspects of it. One of the, one of the ways that you can depart from narrow tailoring would be to draw racial lines gratuitously. Well, I suppose if, if you, there's a point um, uh, at which the, the line is crossed between protecting an incumbent who draws votes predominantly from one race on the one hand and packing on the other hand. But that is an inquiry, I take it, that you would make at the point where you're saying, what is the predominant uh, motive here in order to determine whether strict scrutiny applies at all? Is that fair to say? Well, I, I think it's fair to say, but I think a state could have a compelling interest to create a majority-minority district and then put many more minorities in that district than were necessary. That would create. be packing. That would yeah. be packing, and that would be a violation of the narrow tailoring test. But, but yeah, not okay. the case of the district. At that the shape happened. of the district might be a violation. Yeah, I, I thought that narrowing telling applied to, to kicking over any more of the normal criteria for district drawing than is necessary to achieve the objective. Right. And One of which would be, would, would be uh, compactness and, and contiguity. And another would be incumbency protection. Yeah, Mr. But you don't have... Excuse me. Well, go on. No. I, I was going to... Let me just follow up on one of Justice Scalia's questions. But if you cannot draw a majority-minority district without jettisoning your traditional districting principles, you don't have to do it. In other words, Section 2 does not require you to throw out the tradition of districting in order to create a majority-minority district. And if that, were the, if that were the case, then you wouldn't have the compelling interest of complying right. with Section 2. And so here, the fact that the state could have drawn three compact districts, two in Houston, and one in Dallas. It could have drawn a compact district in Dallas to provide black minorities there with an opportunity to participate fairly in the process. It didn't do that, and the, the record is absolutely clear on this. The district court was absolutely clear on it. It didn't do that because of the interest of the incumbents who were surrounding that district. They did not want that, that compact district because it took too many Democratic voters away from them, and so they pulled Democratic voters out of that compact district, which required the minority district to get voters from someplace else in order to uh, both uh, satisfy the one-person, one-vote requirement and remain a majority-minority district. Mr. Bender, is your answer the same? Uh, uh, well, let me ask this first. There, uh, the the uh, Appellee's brief cites a, a Law Review article in the Michigan Law Review which, which rates uh, uh, districts in the country uh, for irregularity. And uh, according to that Law Review article, uh, um, districts 18 and 29 are tied for first with one other district in the country as the district with the least regular borders in the country. Is, is, is that accurate or not? I, I wouldn't say that they were necessarily tied for first, but they are certainly they're, they're the there. most irregular districts yeah. in the country, yes. I think everybody concedes that. In Dallas, that irregularity occurred. I think nobody doubts this because of the interest in protecting incumbents and Texas's amazingly strong interest in protecting incumbents. That is a very strong interest that Texas traditionally has had and continues to have in districting. In well, Houston, I, it's no different than in any other state, is it? I, I used to serve in a state legislature, and I can well remember scrambling around to protect incumbents. 
uh, that's that's a typical thing, isn't it? I think that but the but, strength but, of it must but, vary from place to place. Do you think that that overrides the need to to avoid uh, deciding boundaries on purely racial grounds? No, it doesn't, it doesn't override the need. The, the question is, if a state could do, draw a compact minority district, and it has a compelling interest in doing that to satisfy the Voting Rights Act and perhaps even the Constitution, and it also has a very strong interest in protecting incumbents, does the state have to choose between those two interests and jettison one in order to do the other? Or it, does the state have to follow the constitutional requirement not to draw lines on, on primarily a racial basis. That's not a constitutional requirement, Justice O'Connor. I think you said in Sean Reno writing for the court, and Justice Kennedy repeated for the court in Miller and Johnson, that that's not an absolute prohibition. It's just something that, that requires strict scrutiny, and that strict scrutiny is satisfied if there's a compelling interest. Here, the district court did not deny that there was a compelling interest, but said you've got to choose between your compelling interest in Dallas in having a minority district and protecting incumbents. And in Houston, the situation is a little more complicated. There was an incumbent protection interest there, but there was also the fact that the state had a compelling interest in creating a Hispanic majority district in Houston, which could have been compact, and in creating a black majority and keeping a black majority well, and there are also degrees of incumbent interest. Some incumbent office holder might say, I want uh, a certain type of voter in my district. Sure. Um, I, it wouldn't double up office holders, but uh, nonetheless, I want you to draw this along racial lines because I think I can pick up voters that are going to go to the polls more often than would be the case if it were compact. That would require strict scrutiny. In this case, I think the evidence shows that the incumbents did not say, give us black voters just because they're black voters. They were looking for Democratic voters to keep their incumbency safe. And in looking for Democratic voters, there is a large correlation in that if, part if, of the If we disagreed with that characterization of what happened, uh, would we have to find that there was an illegality that occurred here? I think if you found that their motivation was to get black voters just because they're black voters, that would be unconstitutional. But that it's all right to get black voters just to protect incumbents. It, it's all right to get Democratic voters. Not, that's not my question. And if is in, in getting Democratic voters, one of the ways they, they try to determine whether voters were likely to be Democratic or not was to look at their race. I don't race think can that be used as a surrogate. In that sense, if the motive is a non-racial one, namely to protect... You know any other area where we allow this, where we allow race to be used as a surrogate for some other desirable policy? I thought that, that, that what our Constitution requires is that no matter how accurate the generalization may be, you can't use race. I think in this... In, in this situation, uh, if the political reality is that... If I'm not asking about this situation. Do you know any other situation in the law in which we allow race to be used as a surrogate for anything? I can't think of one. I can't either. But, I think but if race is, in fact, as you suggest, a real surrogate, then you don't have to use race. Well, I don't think they you just use look race Democrats. Here. I think you look for Democrats. And there are a lot of things you look for when you're looking for Democrats. Uh, and I think one of the things you like, if all they did was say, we want Democrats, therefore we want black voters, Justice Scalia, I agree with you, that would be unconstitutional. That kind of mindless racism would be unconstitutional. But to use it as a more thoughtful racism, how was this done? I thought that's how you said this was done. No, this wasn't done. We wanted done, Democrats, no. we know, you know, blacks are Democrats, and therefore we, we, we ended up with these. I think these. they used it as one of a number of factors in deciding who would be Democratic voters yeah, to did, put did, in their... Didn't in they their have uh, actual computer printouts of how people had voted? Yes. And so was there any need at all? 
all to consider their race. If they wanted Democrats, they knew how people voted in certain areas, and they knew that uh, uh, people in certain areas both voted Democrat and were black. Right. Is there anything in the record that suggests that they went beyond looking at the precinct list to see that they were Democrats when they did this? No. I think the record shows that in doing that, what they ended up doing was bringing black voters into their districts. But the motive was, what they were doing was looking for Democrats. Justice Scalia, in that area of Dallas, uh, there are a lot of black voters, and so that's what you're going to do if you look for Democrats. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bender. Ms. Hare, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, I think I'll just pick up with the last point, which is whether uh, race was being used as a surrogate. Um, and I'll, let me use the Dallas area uh, as an example. Um, Representative Frost and Bryant, Congresspeople Frost and Bryant, were the two uh, white Democrats that boarded on the New Opportunity District that was being squeezed in between them in Dallas County. Um, they, they took about 483,000 people out of Dallas County. And of those, um, 53, roughly 53,000 were African-American. Um, those two Democrats were looking for Democratic voters of any race, and they were looking for voters that they had previously represented. The district court erred because the district court said that, and it's a legal error, the district court said that protection of incumbents is the equivalent of a racial factor. So all of the district court's um, findings of fact that race predominated in the construction of these districts is tainted by the legal error that protecting incumbents constitutes a part of the racial gerrymander. Did it, did it uh, Justice Kennedy asked a question earlier, and he said, uh, if you, one would concede that incumbency protection is a legitimate traditional factor, still, how can you justify giving effect to incumbency by using race? I think that was his question, uh, and I'd like to get your response to that. I mean, the, the position is you've got this strange shape because in satisfying the incumbent's desire to protect their turf, you use race. Your Honor, I would say that... Um Race was used um, to decide whether a um, majority minority district could be created. And again, I'll use Dallas as, an, as the example. In Dallas, what you see is you see the compact part of the minority opportunity district, District 30, is South Dallas. It's a neighborhood with a community of interest that is 69% African American. It shows up nice and almost oval on the district map. The arms of that district that go to the north um, are majority white. And what happened is that when Congressman Frost and Bryant came into Dallas County and peeled off, as I said, almost half a million white voters, the district had to go north to pick up population. And going north, race was one of the factors that was considered, but it certainly was not the only factor. The uh, irregular arm to the west goes out to Grand Prairie and picks up white voters. Congressman, Senator, then Senator Johnson, was uh, eager to represent those white voters in Grand Prairie because they had been in her Senate district. That was not on the basis of race. Um, another arm uh, to the left goes out and picks up the airport. And the main uh, northern arm goes up through the center of uh, Dallas County, picks up about 20% African-American voters and 80% non-African-American voters. Well, I doubt that we ever assume that in any case there would ever be a situation in which nothing but race is considered. Of course, there are always other factors. I mean, but that doesn't prove anything. Yes, Your Honor. 
Our position is that um, uh, minority, a minority community of interest existed in South Dallas that could be recognized. It could have been recognized, as Justice O'Connor points out, in a nice compact district that would have been similar to the districts that this court up upheld summarily in the California case DeWitt. Instead, what happened is that that minority community of interest, like all other communities of interest across the state, saw its district become irregular, not because of race. There was a nice district there that would have said satisfied the Voting Rights Act, but because of protection of incumbents. May, may I go back to an earlier statement that you made on that point? Did the court say in so many words that we identify the protection of incumbents with, with, with racial gerrymandering? Yes, Did sure. Put it neatly somewhere? Your Honor, um, on page 65A of the uh, uh, jurisdictional statement appendix, okay. the court said that incumbency protection is a part of the racial gerrymander. And the court did that because it confused the fact that uh, uh, some African Americans were taken out of the area that normally would have been the most compact version of District 30 in Dallas, for example, but a lot more whites were taken out, of, and that was there. May I ask you a question about your understanding of the district court's holding? If the district court if the districts did not have all these strange appendices, we had precisely the same number of majority-minority black districts, but they would be nicely shaped instead, assuming that they were given a bad shape because of incumbency protection. Under your view, would that be an adequate remedy under the district court's holding? Your Honor, it would not be. And, and let me tell you why. That's a very important question, because there is no federal constitutional requirement of compactness. No, I'm not and really didn't. I want, what I'm really asking is, what is your interpretation of what the district court would do with those facts? Oh, if, if, the, if the, the minority opportunity district were compact, yes. I think the district court would uphold it. But the problem... What is at issue is not the number of minority majority districts, but their shape. But how they look. And, and I, wanted, I want to make the point that that is very important because um, um, my clients who live in these districts need to be able to bargain and compromise in the political process, just like all other communities of interest across the state, and to single out minority opportunity districts and say that they have to have a special federal rule of compactness that does not apply to majority white districts or any other districts in Texas, we believe disadvantages them in well, the process. Well, do you suppose process. the same rule applies in reverse, that it would not be... Uh uh, constitutional for the legislature to protect a white incumbent in a majority white district by fencing out all black voters. I think, Your Honor, that would not be constitutional and that would be racist predominant, but that's not what happened here. These are integrated districts that were drawn with bare populations sufficient to satisfy the Voting Rights Act, and then for other reasons they became non-compact. Well, what if, what if the district that Justice O'Connor hypothesized were drawn the same way? Not all whites, but just enough whites to guarantee the election of, 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 the, of the, the white incumbent? Intentionally to yes, the guarantee yes. the, the election and, of the And intentional uh, adjustment of just the right amount of whites. Um, Your Honor, I believe that that um, uh, would be subject to strict scrutiny under the Voting Rights Act. I, I'm sorry, under the Constitution. And the difference is that where you have the Voting Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act does provide a justification for taking race into account because we, we, we do have racially polarized. We've never held that, have we? Well, the court has not explicitly no. upheld the Constitution, uh, the constitutionality of the Jingle Standard, but it is no, not. No, we've been. never held that the Voting Rights Act is a 
is a, a, a basis that survives scru strict scrutiny, I don't believe. Yes, Your Honor, that's correct. We would submit that, that, that it does. Ms. Hare, would, would you help me out? I, I looked at page 65A of the appendix. What, what is the precise language you rely on in the opinion on 65A? I, I, I find the court saying we conclude that the policy of incumbent protection to the extent it motivated the legislature. Well, where are you reading from? Page 65A of the joint, uh, of the appendix to the jurisdictional statement, which is what, what, uh, what counsel cited. Maybe I got the wrong one. Okay. Um, with regard to District 30th at the top, we conclude that the policy of incumbent protection right. to the extent it motivated the legislature was not a countervailing force against racial gerrymandering. Instead, racial gerrymandering was an essential part of incumbency protection. Right. I think that, uh, I take that to mean that, you, that, that, that the court says you, can't, you can protect incumbents, but not by using race as the, uh, as the base. And our position is that the court was legally in error when it said that uh, the fact that Congressman Frost and Bryant came in and took a huge amount of population, that that was part of a racial gerrymander. That was uh, solely to get Democratic voters that they had previously represented, and black voters, just like a bunch of white voters, got caught up in it took them as blacks. That, that's what this sentence says, that to the extent incumbent protection motivated the legislature, it was incumbent protection achieved by race. Uh, Your Honor, um, our position no, is that... It. That, no, if you, the district court committed legal error because it, um, it confused taking people, taking Democratic voters with taking people on the basis of race. And, um, and that we find the statement is conclusion. more ambiguous than you say, should we simply remand this case? I think the record is clear, Your Honor, that Congressman Frost and Bryant came in and took voters of all races that they had previously... All right, but let's assume that we've read that and, and we still find the court's statement ambiguous. Should we remand? Um, Your Honor, it, yes. If, if you cannot find that, um, uh, that incumbent protection uh, was not equivalent to race, then I think um, it should be remanded so that we can uh, establish that in the district court. Thank you, Ms. Hare. Uh, Mr. Troy, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court... With regard to the point that, that was just being made, I, page 19 of our brief, we cite to what the district court says. Um, what the district court found exactly was that Texas, quote, repeatedly segregated African-American, Hispanic, and Anglo populations by race, one, to further the prospects of incumbent officeholders, I'm adding the one, or two, to create majority-minority congressional districts. These districts were conceived for the purpose of providing safe seats in Congress for two African-American representatives and, and Hispanic representatives. Your Honor, the indirect and direct evidence overwhelmingly supports the district court's finding that race was the predominant factor in the drawing of these bizarre single-race majority districts. Why, why did anyone care uh, from a racial point of view, the interest being to elect a, major, a minority congressman or woman? Once that can be achieved with a compact district, so why, from that point of view, would anyone care whether the district is non-compact? What, what human motive could there be for these irregular shapes other than incumbency protection? Your Honor, what the district court found was that they pursued a maximization policy, basically constructing these majority-minority, actually single-race majority districts, essentially for their own sake, and then race was used as a tool for partisan advantage. That, sorry, I don't, I don't understand. I'm just trying to get clear on a person who is interested 
in having a black congressman or black congresswoman would be interested, I assume, many, in having a majority-minority district, which could be achieved with a compact district. Now, given that fact, what possible reason could a person who has that interest have well, in seeing that it's an odd shape? In other words, what would the reasoning be? I can understand why you might want an odd shape for the purpose of incumbency protection, but I don't understand what the reasoning would be to want an odd shape for racial reasons. Okay. First of all, you're Unless, of course, you think a lot of black people happen to be Democrats, but you have the voting record, and so you can look at the voting records and not worry about race. First of all, in Harris County, what they did was they were separating the races, Hispanics and blacks, because the communities were demanding their own districts for their own sake. But with respect to Dallas County, what the record shows, Your Honor, is that um, the architect of the district, Eddie Bernice Johnson, went, tried to create a performing single-race majority black district. And what, the reason why, one of the main reasons why it was not compact, in fact, the court found the predominant reason why it was not compact, was she, tes she testified in the Terrazas versus Slagle litigation that she shed black voters in the south of Dallas area, and she testified because they tend to be more transient, they tend to not turn out as well. And so then, in order to preserve the single-raceness of the district, she went north into Collin County, west into Tarrant County, hither and yon, in order to gather in as many blacks as possible in order to preserve that as a single-race majority district. That was the, the overall goal. In, in your view, if it were proved, I'm not saying this is this case, but if it were proved beyond any doubt that the only reason that the districts were not compact in shape was to protect incumbents and that that had nothing to do with race, under those circumstances would, these, would such districts be constitutional, even under Miller? Not necessarily, Your Honor. Why Miller, not? Miller says that if the predominant motivation in drawing the, the, the district was race, then it's subject to strict scrutiny. Can we go back to then stage one? We have a very compact district. It has no arms or elbows, but it was created to be a minority, a majority-minority district. Race was the consideration, but it's got wonderfully compact bounds. But race was why that district was created. Would I think, that be unconstitutional? I think, Your Honor, that that is, in essence, a hypothetical that would not really arise, in part because, by definition, if you're taking into account compactness, contiguity, traditional political subdivisions, you are, race is not the predominant motivation. It may be an important motivation, but it is one of a number of motivations. Why isn't it the predominant motivation? The motivation is to create a majority-minority district. That means race. If, if you're creating a compact majority-minority district, then you are necessarily taking into account other factors, i.e., compactness, contiguity, traditional subdivisions, and the fact that you've got a naturally occurring community of, of people. So what you're saying is it's okay to do it for racial purposes, and, I, and you and I are both assuming that the racial purpose is justified by the Voting Rights Act, I take it, or at least by, the, by correcting the 14th Amendment violation. It's okay to do that if you do it consistently with normal districting practices. I would say that it is, it is permissible to take race into account in the districting, so long as it is not the predominant factor, that is what mo that is but what Miller says. Aren't you assuming that what determines whether it's the predominant factor or not, what determines whether that factor is treated as predominant for purposes of Miller and Shaw, 
is a function of whether it is created consistently with districting practices as traditionally understood. And if the answer is yes, then it's not predominant. Uh, race is not predominant for Miller purposes. If the answer is no, it is. I understood that to be the thrust of your answer. I, I, I think if you create it consistent with, with, again, looking for naturally occurring communities so, that you are, so it is clear that what you're not trying to do is, is achieve a certain racial goal. And that's not your primary, that's not it your is. primary. It's it just, just in, very in, in saying we are going to create three minority-majority districts. Race is, our, is what we are after. We want three racially determined districts. We are willing to give up the incumbency and everything else. We're willing to subordinate everything to race. And we will have a nice compact district. Race is so important that we'll subordinate everything to it and it will look just fine. That's okay under your analysis. I think that's clear that, that if, again, I think if someone swears on a stack of Bibles, the only reason I tried to do this was race, and that would, then under Miller, it's, it would be subject to well, scrutiny. Then, wasn't that in effect that Texas is candid. It says we have a census. We have additional seats. We want three minority-majority majority, minority districts. That's our objective. And we're not going to disguise it and say compactness was our objective, but we're going to achieve our objectives consistent with compactness. But, Your Honor, they did not achieve their objective consistent with compactness. But I'm just asking you, if race is the driving factor, I think is that okay? If race is the driving factor, it seems to me that under Miller, then it's subject to strict scrutiny. And I don't see why you're not changing the Miller definition, because the Miller definition of what was predominant was a definition that considered whether the racial motivation subordinated the application of traditional districting principles. And it seems to me that your definition is rejecting the Miller definition. I, I don't In other words, we, we all recognize that, sometime, that race is going to be used and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad and we've got to have some way to figure out as a threshold matter which it is. Mm -hmm. And Miller says it's predominant and it's going to trigger strict scrutiny if it subordinates traditional districting practices. Well, Isn't that, do you understand Miller to hold that? Yes. All right. I think that that's a, a then, then sorry. let me ask you the next question. If it can be shown as a matter of historical fact that a traditional districting practice includes incumbency protection, then it has to follow, if we're going to follow Miller, that if the court finds that incumbency protection was the, the reason for the arms and the squiggles, then it cannot follow from the fact of arms and squills that the motivation was predominantly rational within the meaning of Miller. Is that correct? I don't think so, Your Honor. I think that... Then, then where did I go wrong? It, it seems to me that... Perhaps in, 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 in uh, assuming that it's okay to do incumbent protection not by deciding who are Democrats, but by deciding who are blacks. I, I, I that totally agree with that. That, that, so, is, that is making right. one of the traditional criteria itself depend upon race. I think that is what, that your answer? I think whatever label you have. No, I want to know. Is, yes, that, that, is, was a, that was a good answer. Is that is that's your answer? answer? All right. That is my now, answer. Let me, let me ask you a good question. Okay. Uh, if, in fact, the incumbency protection is achieved by knowing who is a Democrat, and by drawing the lines according to which neighborhood is democratic and which neighborhood isn't, then the fact that those neighborhoods that are democratic happen to be black 
And therefore, the arms and the squiggles end up including black voters and not white ones. That's not wrong on, on your view. Your Honor. Yes Miller or no? Explicitly yes or no? If, if wrong, wrong or not wrong? If, if the lines happened. are drawn because you're getting in Democrats, the fact that the Democrats happen to be black is not going to disqualify that as an application of districting practices, and it won't result in a conclusion that the racial motive was that the motive was predominantly racial within Miller. Isn't that true? If it's if there is a confluence and a coincidence, and race was not the reason why, race was not the tool for finding out who were Democrats, then certainly, it, if it just so happens that that the, the district is more black than not and more democratic than not, that's okay. But All right, why shouldn't we then send this case back and say to the district court, tell us exactly, based on, on the evidence, whether in fact the discriminations that were made here were made based on political data which happened to disclose a racial composition or whether it was made on data which was purely racial uh, and used merely as an unthinking surrogate for a political determination. Why shouldn't we ask them to make that discrimination for us and, and on, which, on, on which the case would turn? With respect, Your Honor, I think they have made that determination. The, the only data that was put on the computer that was on a block-by-block -block level was racial data. Chris Sharman, who drew the, uh, the, uh, the computer operator, sat at, that, at the computer, and inevitably, racial numbers came up no matter what. In this, in this case, is the evidence that the computer program design used to draw the lines such that race became a surrogate for uh, whatever was desired in the incumbency protection? I, I think the, the record does show that, Your Honor. The record clearly shows that race was used as a tool for protecting incumbents, and Miller explicitly rejects the use of race as a proxy. I thought that page 65A, which we just read before, said that. I, I thought that's exactly what it said that instead racial gerrymandering was an essential part of incumbency protection. It was the tool for incumbency protection. I agree with that. Now, the state didn't have to do that. It could have drawn districts, in your view, that could have majority-minority um, figures for Democratic voters that would enable a black to be elected and an Hispanic to be elected in the two adjacent districts. That, that's exactly right, Your Honor. You can't use race for mere administrative convenience. Simply because it's easier to use race to determine who's a Democrat does not justify the use of race. But didn't it say on, on the, there must have been a computer printout, and it must have shown, let's say, block by block, who the voters are. And do, didn't it have in that computer printout or whatever they were looking at the registration of the voter? No, Your Honor, at, it, didn't. It, it did not. Registration data was not available on that computer. What was available on that computer below the block level, mm. below the, the precinct level, was, was only racial data. At the, at the, at the precinct, block level, at the level of each block they at had. At the level of each block, at the, of each census block, they had racial data and racial data only. And, and, and that was the primary tool that was used for dividing what's up the What's the smallest system. level that they had political party affiliation? The precinct level. And they could only bring up... Sing, on this computer, they could only bring up a single election, and the, and the district court found that that is really not what they used. In fact, what the district court found was that to the extent that partisan data was used in the process, it was only known to the congressional incumbents and to their staffers, and they might occasionally call up Chris Sharman and tell him some stuff, but by and large, he used race as the tool, and and that partisan data was not systematically available. All right, so in your view, if, a, if the legislature was trying to create 
a district to comply with Voting Rights Act Section 2. And in doing that, they used race, and I don't know how else they would do it. That would be constitutional. In your view, if after doing that, they created an odd shape, and the oddness of that shape had nothing to do with race, that was pure, that would be constitutional. But you think that's not what happened? That is not. That is exactly not what happened. Are the two principles right? Are the two principles the two correct? The two principles are right, but that is by no means what happened the here. The two what principles happened, are correct, and then we'd have to argue about what happens here. In Harris County, they were. That is correct, isn't it? That's your view. If there's absolutely no link between the shape and the racial demographics, then, then, for, then race was not the motivating factor. But a mere correlation is not the kind of link that you're condemning. Your Honor, I mean, if this, if this case, if, let's assume that this judgment stands, uh, and they, they, they have the same objective, uh, and, and, and for the sake of encumbrancy protection this time, they use whatever data they've got, we'll say precinct-level data, so that the lines are not going to be quite so fine, but you still get a funny-looking shape uh, for purposes of incumbency protection, and your incumbency protection data is entirely political, Democratic data, as a Republican data, as opposed to race, and it ends up looking something like this. There will still be a factual correlation. You can say, well, gee, uh, the, the Democrats seem to be black, and most blacks seem to be Democrats. But you would not find that a violation of the Shaw rule. If the state accomplished its asserted goal, partisan gerrymandering, through the use of non-racial data, then that is permissible. But, but they, here they used racial data to accomplish that goal. And that is, we think, completely foreclosed by, for example, if in Gamillion, that someone had said, well, we didn't fence out the blacks in order to, um, in order merely for discriminatory reasons. We fenced out the blacks because we wanted to assure that we could be re-elected we, we re because we know blacks won't vote for us. That is completely impermissible. Okay. Similarly, yeah. in, in, this court has never permitted a township to say, well, we want to maintain property values, and the best way that we could do that is by using, is by using so something that is discriminatory in purpose. But our real goal, our real goal is... Right, it's going to be bona fide. Okay, sure. that's, uh, may, may I ask you a different, a, 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 I guess, the next step question? Let's assume uh, that the, the political correlation, uh, let's assume that the, the, the political data in the computer about... Um, uh, about prior voting patterns uh, is going to be a basis uh, for for drawing funny lines for making these these adjustments and the purpose is the purpose is incumbency protection. Assume secondly that you've got two essentially adjoining democratic districts. No matter how you draw the lines, one and two are both going to be democratic districts, and they've got a choice uh, between drawing the lines in such a way uh, that. Uh, puts uh, a lot of blacks in a white district and a lot of whites in a black district. And somebody says, traditionally, if we were worried about um, the feelings between the French and the Irish, we'd draw the line in such a way so that the, most of the French could, could be in a predominantly French ward and most of the Irish could be in a predominantly Irish ward. Now we've got a situation in which instead of French and Irish, uh, it's black and Hispanic, black and white, can they do the same thing for the blacks uh, who want to be in a black district that they could do for the Irish in the old days who wanted to be in an Irish district? I think if you have two compact, contiguous, naturally occurring neighborhoods. No, it's not, it's not compact in the sense that the lines are nice. They're protecting incumbents. They can protect Democratic incumbents either way. And they've got a choice between doing what they used to do for the French and the Irish or the Poles and the Jews or whatever 
uh, and, and the choice is now doing it for blacks and whites. Can they do the same thing if, in fact, there is such a tradition? No, Your Honor. I think it would be impermissible for, for a state to go block by block, dividing up an integrated okay. whole can they still do community. It? Can they still do it for the French and the Irish, then? I don't think so. I do not think you can go block by block. So it's one rule for everybody. No, no more of this. Absolutely. Re a religious gerrymander is as impermissible as a racial gerrymander. Yeah, but if, if you're going... If, if they're just interested, I mean, a democratic legislator or city councilman who wants to be reelected, I take it, is interested only in one thing, people who will vote for him, and he doesn't care what their color. So if he sees St. Mary's Church on the corner and thinks there must be a lot of Catholics in that neighborhood, and they usually vote for me because they're a certain political party affiliation. Or a state legislature thinks, I know the synagogue of a certain kind is over there, and he really knows it and happens by accident to tell somebody that's what he's thinking. Is that now all contrary to the Constitution? I think if, if at a certain point the predominant goal is the separation of races or religions or ethnicities, if that is the tool that is used to accomplish incumbency protection, then that is constitutionally problematic. Yeah, Justice Breyer's example is different from mine. In mine, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about making the, the Irish or the Poles or the Jews or the Wasps or whatnot happy to be together. In his, the sole motivation uh, is incumbency protection. Why isn't your answer different from him from what it was for me? Well, I, I think I gave the answer on the motivation. The motivation does not matter if the means is race or ethnicity. This court has said you, it doesn't matter what your ultimate goal is. You cannot use certain forbidden tools. Race is forbidden by the 14th Amendment to be used as a tool. But in his example, the people, uh, St. Mary's gets in, not because they're Catholics, but because they're Democrats. Well, and that's an ethical question that. of fact in the district that. court as to whether or not the predominant motivation was whether they were Democrats or whether they were black. So if, in fact, the court says they only wanted the St. Mary's Parish in there because they were Democrats, no problem on your theory. Again, it's a question of fact as to what... Yeah, but I mean, if that's what the fact-finding is, that's not, that is not suspect on your theory, right? It is not suspect to get Democrats. It is suspect to use race as a tool or religion as a tool to tell who is of one party affiliation or another because race is immutable and politics are not. And the use of race is so dangerous that this Court has said that it should not be used unless there is a compelling governmental interest and it is being used in a narrowly tailored way. But Mr. Troy, this is a part of your argument that I have great difficulty grasping. If race were used alone and nothing else, that would have been all right. If the districts had been created so that they would be majority-minority districts, and then the white incumbents were not part of the picture. So we had a, a district determined solely by race and not by incumbency, not by anything else, that would be all right. But once you intrude something that's non-race, it, then it's unconstitutional. That's the part that I, I don't understand the logic of that. But you conceded, uh, because that was the first step in the argument, that if that the state has a goal, wants three majority-minority districts, a racial goal, that's okay. Well, Council, did you concede that, or really did you I say it would require strict scrutiny if I that were the case? I thought that was what I understood your response to be. Thank Have you, you made Honor, some other response to Justice Ginsburg that I missed? No, I don't think I did. I think... Uh, I thought you said that in the hypothetical there would be compactness and other factors that would be in addition to race. And that's Honor, why I think if you start out and race is your only goal, then 
maybe the voting rights act if the, if the district were compact the fact that they might have been motivated by an interest in getting two or three majority minority district would not have invalidated the plan you did say that didn't you L let me explain well, did you say that or not let, let me find out did you say that or not if they were compact district contiguous nicely square in every case but it was perfectly clear that there was a motive to get two or three majority min minority districts did you not say that would be okay I don't, I don't think so, and if okay, I did, perhaps fine. I misspoke. You did, then. Okay, I misspoke, and I, <laughs> I apologize. Um, if your goal, your dominant goal is, is, is racial, then strict scrutiny applies. Okay? Now, it may okay. well be... The what does the statute require, then? I mean, I, I, I certainly agree with you. I had understood our Constitution to, to prevent the use of race as a surrogate for whatever, however good the objective may be. You can't, you can't, can't use it. But, but then, what does... What does the, doesn't the Voting Rights Act or our interpretation of it make the opposite assumption? How am I to reconcile the two? Doesn't it assume that in order to, uh, to have uh, what, what is being called here uh, uh, minority opportunity, you need, uh, you, you need to, um, to herd minority voters together because they, they will all vote the same way. Isn't that the assumption of our interpretation of the act or of the act itself? I don't think so, Your Honor. I it think, isn't. Well, I think I don't... the Voting Rights Act prohibits perhaps... Why are they worried about creating minority, uh, majority minority districts in, in order to comply with the act then? I think that the, the, the Department of Justice's maximization policy was hanging like a sword of Damocles over this entire process. They went in with the, un, uh, the assumption, and in this case it's sort of Miller, but without the Department of Justice playing its heavy hand. They went in with the assumption that so long as they maximized, they would be okay with the Department of Justice, and therefore they could do anything else they want, use race as a tool for the purposes of incumbency protection, and that they did not have to narrowly tailor these districts to make them comport to requirements of Section 2, if indeed Section 2 is implicated. But Section 2 only requires geographically compact districts. These are not geographically compact. All right, but why, why then is your answer to Justice Stevens? Yeah, but what if they were? Would that make any difference? It seems to me if the, if the Voting Rights Act requires you to draw these districts... I'm just asking you, if they were compact, would that make any difference? If the Voting Rights Act required you to draw... No, no, no. no. I'm just saying in this case, if we had compact districts, such as they started out with before they got into all the incumbency protection, would the case be any different in your view? It, and, 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 and then I'll give you a second question. You can give the answer to both. Under the district court's reasoning, if they did create the same number of majority-minority districts, but they'd gone back to where they had a few more Republican districts and a few less Democrat districts, as I think would make the difference, would that have been all right? I, I don't think I follow your second question. Well, Sorry. what is the remedy that the district court is requiring? They have to redraw the district. They have to redraw the district. And it, in, in redrawing them, can they continue to have the same number of majority-minority districts, but differently shaped? Your Honor, we do not think that under the Voting Rights Act, they can create single-race majority districts here because the communities in question do not live in a sufficiently geographically compact area to require drawing of single-race majority districts. And that is what they tried to do here. They set out to, to draw single-race majority districts. But, but can, can you answer the first question that Justice Stevens asked? And the reason, the reason is, at least I, break this question into two parts, or maybe three. And to get to an answer, I have to have your opinion on just his first question, which was, if these were compact and drawn to comply with Section 2, and race was used. Of course, Section 2 is about race. Wouldn't that be a compelling interest? I agree that Justice O'Connor says under Miller, it's a compelling interest. Would that not be a compelling interest? Oh, yes. You, 
Yes. We, we believe right. that if you Section 2... You then do concede, which is what I thought All right. Yes. So if they're drawing them now in order to comply with Section 2... Why do you concede that, counsel? Uh, uh, so the, the court has never held that compliance with the Voting Rights Act uh, is, is a compelling state interest. That is true. The court has never held that. Um, but may, may I ask you an alternative? Well, I, I think he's finished. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Question. Uh, we believe that in, in, in trying to have the state avo- avoid the horns of, of a dilemma, a dilemma which, by the way, we think they falsely posit because they overinterpret the Voting Rights Act in far too broad a way. But we think that if you interpret the Voting Rights Act in a constitutional way to say that it simply prohibits discriminatory packing and cracking, then, then avoiding discriminatory packing and cracking can be a compelling governmental interest. But it turns upon, Your Honor, how you interpret the, the Voting Rights Act. And we think that certainly if the state sought to, inter- to comply with, with their interpretation or with the Department of Justice's maximization policy, then it would never be. It could not be a compelling governmental interest. So it depends upon how you interpret the Voting Rights Act. All right, may, may I go back to the Miller definition? I understood you to say a moment ago uh, that if the motive was simply to create a majority-minority district, and we didn't know anything more than that, that that would, in fact, be unconstitutional. Now let me add something to what we know. Let us assume that in creating that majority-minority district, number one, the motive was to comply with, with the Voting Rights Act, and number two, that in fact the district shape that came out of that process was a shape which was consistent with the shape that traditionally gets arrived at in districts when traditional districting practices are followed. As, for example, in Justice Stevens's case, it is a compact district. It, it seems if, if, that is, if those three facts are what we know, is it fair to say, under the Miller definition of what is a subordination of districting to race, that we would not have an apparent case of subordinated districting to race? That would be okay under the Miller definition, and it would not trigger strict scrutiny. Is that correct? If you start out and your goal is to create... It seems to me that you can't really have it both ways. If you want to say, we are going to draw remedial districts to comply with the Voting Rights Act, then you're almost... Def- you're by definition, I believe, going to be in strict scrutiny because you are using race as for a remedial purpose. Then what then happens the question- if... Let's assume... Uh, all right, if I take that example, then it seems to me I am varying Miller... Because Miller didn't say that any use of race, whether for compliance with Section 2 or any other, is wrong. Miller says it's only wrong when it is subordinated to traditional districting practices. Miller puts a limitation on it, and it seems to me that your answers to us do not recognize that limitation, so that if we were to agree with you, the court would have to expand Miller. I think, Your Honor, that if you set out to create a racial goal, and your goal is to comply with the Voting Rights Act, and, and that is a remedial statute, and your purpose in complying with it is remedial. And it seems to me that your overwhelming purpose, because we're talking about the use of race here, must be remedial. I and suppose it, it depends uh, uh, on, what, on what Miller means by subordinated. I suppose, uh, I suppose uh, one could say that if you start out with objective number one to uh, create a majority-minority district, that is your, your primary goal. Everything else, even though you follow the other criteria, could be regarded as subordinated to that. That's, so you get that's your starting point. I think that's right. That yeah. is your starting point. Right, but that's not what Miller says, is it? 
Miller says that it's predominant if it subordinates traditional districting practices to race. And, and I think what you're saying is whenever you start out with the motive of creating a majority-minority district, you in fact trigger strict scrutiny, and by definition you have always, you have subordinated every other consideration to race. Is, you, is that your answer? If you start out with the I goal. think that's what you're saying. Yes, if you start okay. out with the goal so of, of accomplishing it, race, and you use race as, at all times to make sure that no, abandoning compactness, abandoning requirements of voting rights act. No, no, no. Let's assume you don't abandon them. You end up with a compact. We get into court. The, the redistricting is done. You've got a compact district. It goes back to Justice Stevens's question. You've got a compact district. The traditional districting principles have, in fact, apparently been honored here. Strict scrutiny or not? Strict scrutiny. If, if, if so race, I think is, the is it fair to say that? Yeah, well, I, I, I grant you that. Is it fair to say then that you are in fact asking us to recognize a cause of action which is broader than Miller recognized? Because other, otherwise, that language in Miller was was did not mean what it said. It was it was in fact a, a misspeaking by the court. I think, Your Honor, if the, if race ends, is the predominant motivation. And you look no, but that's the question. Right. Miller says in deciding whether it is predominant or not, you look to whether it has excluded the application of traditional districting principles. If it hasn't excluded it, then either it isn't predominant or you've got a pretty tough row to hoe to show that it is. Uh, and, and, and you're saying, never mind whether, it's consi- whether the result is, tra- is consistent with traditional districting principles or not. And that's why I say I think you're asking us to expand on Miller. I don't think so, Your Honor, because Miller talks about the indirect and the direct evidence. Okay? Well, I guess and you don't was... have that here, do you? I thought the finding was these districts did not follow uh, normal compactness and indeed are quite irregular. So you don't have the hypothetical here, I had assumed. That is certainly true, Your Honor. The, the uh, Texas tries to say that their only distri- districting principle ever has been incumbency protection. And the district court found, as a matter of fact, that that Texas had traditionally adhered to and followed other traditional districting principles, and it had, in in fact, abandoned compact. And the the three judges of the district court were all Texas judges? They were all Texas judges. The thing I wonder about about the particular finding on page 65A is I've got the point that if these were compact, maybe you apply uh, strict scrutiny, but section 2 perhaps we'd agree would justify it. If they depart from the compactness solely for non-racial reasons, I think we agree, but I'm not certain that solely for non-racial reasons it would be okay. And then the question is, what did they do here? And what he says is, in order to protect incumbents, other African-American voters were deliberately fenced out. But what it doesn't say is whether those African-American voters were fenced out because they were African-Americans or because there was an inference about their voting behavior in respect to one incumbent or another. And wouldn't that be key as to why they were fenced out? Just as you've said, you might have Jews in a district knowing that they're Jews and likely to vote Democrat, and you say, okay, that's all right, if the reason is that they're likely to vote Democrat. And isn't this silent as to what the reason that the African-American voters were or were not fenced out. Okay, Your Honor, if I might, in this case, 
the African-American and the Hispanic communities in Harris County were simply pulled apart for their own sake. That is what the district court found. They were pulled apart because the Hispanic community said, we want our own district, and we don't care about jingles, we don't care about compactness, we want our own district. Detroit, I didn't understand you to say what, uh, what Justice Breyer um, um, just said. I mean, maybe you agree with him. I, I didn't understand you to say that you could include, let's say, Jews in a district because, uh, because you know that Jews will vote Democratic. In fact, I did not say that. I said that I you thought cannot you said just the opposite. In fact, I did. I said that neither race nor religion may be used as a proxy for determining political affiliation. So then that, that means you do favor, uh, or somebody could bring a lawsuit in any kind of city council election, any of the thousands elections in the United States, and try to show that what the council had in mind was it all it knew was this is an Irish neighborhood, this is a Catholic neighborhood, this is a, a some other neighborhood, and we're only interested in whether they vote Democrat or Republican. But if you could show that's in the councilman's mind at the time, and he's making that inference, all this would become unconstitutional, thrown into the federal courts, etc. The reason why I don't think that's going to happen, Your Honor, is because of compactness, contiguity, respect for political subdivision. What I understand what happens in city councils throughout the country is they take a look at particular neighborhoods, particular areas of interest, where people have things in common like the schools they go to, the places they shop, the water supply, the potholes in the streets. What they did in this case was they abandoned that and they said, we are going to, particularly in Harris County, we are going to separate the races, we are going to take someone who lives in the northwest corner of the, of the city and who's always voted in District 18, who's Hispanic, we're going to take Alvira and we're going to lump him with the Hispanics in the southwest, in the, the southeastern part of the city because he is Hispanic. Okay? That, that, that seems to me to not respect traditional principles. Um, and to be affirmatively unconstitutional. And, Your Honor, in Texas, what the court found, in Dallas, what the court found, is that simply there was capitulation to a demand by the Dallas community that, I'm quoting the Department of Justice's narrative, the, the narrative to the Department of Justice, this is what Texas told the Department of Justice, that, the, that, quote, the Dallas black community insisted that a safe black district be drawn that had a total black population of at least 50%. That's at the joint appendix at 106. Your Honor, we've gotten off on the because we've been entertaining hypotheticals, we've gotten far away from what happened in this case. And what happened in this case was that race was used as a tool for incumbency protection only secondarily. Primarily, there was this maximization policy of the Department of Justice that everybody knew about. They, they, um, Eddie Bernice Johnson specifically said, I, my policy was, if it could be drawn, it must be drawn. And all other concerns were subordinated to that. And so that is what happened here. Um, and that, we submit, is unconstitutional. If there are no further questions. I have one if you do have a minute left. Supposing you started out with three compact districts that were contiguous and race was one of the reasons for uh, drawing them that way, but if you drew them that way, the, the Democrats are in control. They, they found they would create a few more Republican seats than they wanted to. So they redrew them with squiggles to get more Democrat seats. Forget about incumbents, just party politics uh, simply. Would that be a permissible reason to do it in your view? I'm sorry? Would that be a permissible reason to redraw and get uh, unattractive districts in, to, in order to protect the number of Democrats as opposed to the number of incumbents? I'm not quite sure I caught your first hypothetical on my time is up, but I'd be happy if the Chief Justice will permit me to... Go ahead and answer. Could you just the hypothetical the is that the that you start with, with compact districts that you would say would barely pass muster, even though race was an important factor in picking them up. But you get into non-compactness and gerrymandering and, and districts like this, not to protect incumbents as such, 
but to make sure that the Republicans who do not control the legislature won't get too many seats. I think if your motivations are political, then your motivations are political. If your motivations are racial, your motivations are racial. And if your motivations are political... The question is whether the political motivation would be a justification. For non-compactness? Yes. It can be, yes. Non-com- I think he's asking for non-compactness on the basis of race. Non-compactness would- on the basis of race? No, if it's non-compactness... If, if, well, if, if they're of- just whites and it's just a Democrat and you I jiggle think, the lines... I, I think you've answered the question, Mr. Troy. The case is submitted.